Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has Kabir Kabir. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. My name is Reg Roberts, and remembering this is the show that's getting you over the advantage line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. Uh, we've got a big show this week, got, uh, plenty to chat about with the Wallabies back on the field again, and obviously the culmination of the NRC. And if we're talking NRC, there is one man we love to talk to. Uh, it is the only one, Brett McKay. How are you, Brett? Oh, I'm really well, Reg. I'm really well. It's great to be back. Uh, two really, really cracking semi-finals coming this weekend. I can't, I can't wait for them. And a de- deserved culmination in what's been a fantastic NRC. We'll talk about that soon. But also joining us is, uh, uh, if we're talking barbarians, rugby, we have to talk to you, Cavalier. You, I don't know if that was appropriate, but I'll say it there anyway. <laughs> Oh look, I'm I'm good, Reg. I've just come off a, a little five night holiday up in Noosa, actually. Oh, uh, up, really? Up in, up in Queensland, lovely, lovely country. But I've got to say, get daylight saving. It gets daylight saving, there, you know. Like it gets bright at four thirty. Sunrise is pretty harsh. Five a.m. And, and I can't even go for a lovely, you know, picnic on the beach for dinner because it's dark at six. It's, it's yeah, look, uh, um, uh, and I'm still now, uh, I flew in the suburb. I'm still recovering to the time difference. So if I'm a little bit, yeah, forgive me. You just got to fight your way through. Don't go to sleep just yet, mate. Just fight your way through. It's the best way to get over it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, these days in the professional age, you got to come, you know, these time differences are just part of the job as a podcaster. So I'll fight through. <laughs> You're a seasoned professional, Hugh. We appreciate it. That's why we love to have you on. Look, guys, uh, we have our five burning questions. We'll go through them now before we get struck, stuck straight in. Um, question one, uh, did we gain anything from that Barbarians match? Uh, question two, what were the big surprises from the Wallaby squad selection? Question three, what are our expectations for the Wallaby tour upcoming? Question four, uh, what were the standouts from the NRC this season? And question five, what's your tip for the NRC finals? So, Barbarians match on the weekend, lads. Uh, the Wallabies got up over the Barbarians in the end. Um, for what it's worth, does it mean anything? It was a good, fun match to watch. Uh, Brett, over to you first, mate. What, what do you think of the match first of all, most? Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty bog standard garden variety Barbars game, wasn't it? They, the 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 Barbars looked like they'd been together a week and the Wallabies look like they've been together about a week. Um, so, you know, I I had written a piece this time last week saying, yeah, what's really the point of this game? And, um, and I was actually a little bit surprised that the reaction to that would be in such agreement. I sort of expected there to be a little bit of blo- a little bit of pushback on that, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think generally speaking, the the Australian rugby fan saw that game for what it was, and so you know it was played in that same sort of spirit. The the, the biggest takeaway from me for that game from that game is that apparently it's okay for um, barbarians players to wear odd socks now, not just their club socks, but they can actually wear two different socks. I actually like that. So Quaid had his one South Magpie yeah. sock and one one, one Churchy sock, or his school yeah. socks. I, mean, I was trying to pick a few of the others, but I love that little. You know, it's it's I it's those don't little mind things. That at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, a nice sort of reconnection, re- reconnection with their you know their true roots. Um, Kevin, what about you? I mean, talk about the game, and you know, we had a bit of a chat last week about the the 
you know, the meaning behind it instead of, but let's focus on the game itself. What, what did you think of the game itself? Did you enjoy it when you got to watch it? Um, look, I, I did. I, I didn't say I, I loved it, um, but it was it was a pretty good way to spend a Saturday afternoon. I disagree with Brett in, in a few ways. Firstly, I mean, I don't know if it was a standard Barbars game in the sense that I think the Barbars especially looked like they had a bit more to play for. And, and, and the thing that I, I yeah. put my finger on to, to identify that is their line speed in defense. They were flying out of the line. Got blokes yeah. like, you know, Luke Jones especially was really leading that, leading that charge and, and Wycliffe Parler as well coming up out oh, of the line and hit really hitting blokes behind the line. Oh, it was fantastic. Lacey was incredible. It, well, considering it was who he, yeah, considering who he hit there, Ulacy, a young block of granite, that was one of yeah. the hits of the decade. This I thought season. that was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and look, I think I'd say in your bog standard Barbar's game, they probably sit back a bit more, and and, and it's a bit more. You know, the defense is, is is not optional, but certainly it's a little bit uh, less physical than what it was in that game, where you know the Wallabies really struggled to get a roll on because their forward runners couldn't make the gain line, and they were just getting knocked behind the advantage line time after time yeah. after time. And it wasn't until a guy like Ben McCalman came on and all of a sudden started getting some yards around the fringes that we actually started to see uh, you know a bit of space opening up for the backs. So look, I mean, I think picking a team of of what you would call Ex Wallabies, future Wallabies, and and Wallaby, you know, hopefuls in the Barbarian side really gave it an edge that it probably wouldn't have had otherwise. And the, you know, it, it was one of the reasons why the game was probably a little, you know, a little bit bogged down because the, you know their defence was so dominant um, mm. uh, from from that from that Barbarian side that they just didn't give the Wallabies much to play with. And and you know, in in attack they were. You know, pretty pretty average as well. I mean, they they tried hard the barbarians, and I've got to say it. What, what I think the score was twenty one seven or twenty four seven. I mean, it was Something like it, it looked like they they might run away with it, but but you know, as you'd expect, the bench was a bit more class from the Wallabies, and 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 they only just got away with it thanks to a couple of pretty dubious yellow cards late in the game. I've got to say. So look, oh, in, in did some... you did you did you think Hugh? Did you did you think? Oh, look, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I, and I, I even said on on on, um, on social media that um, that I thought Quaid was was hard done by because there was the the way it was explained by by Brendan Pickerel and his assistants didn't marry up with what we saw in the vision. There was no force. There was no, you know, there, there was there was nothing really other than clumsiness. And I really didn't think of that that one got a yellow card. But Tungelli's oh. was is a yellow card every day of the week. Maybe, but look, all I'd say in defence is it's a Barbar's game. You've yeah, just got to let it roll. And I completely agree with that. Yeah. You know, and and I thought, and Brendan Pickerel, the referee, he just, I think he felt like he was refereeing the blood, deciding Bledisloe. You know, there was a there was a real stodginess to it, a real um, a, a real you know obedience to every element of law. Where I think he probably just needed to sit back and let the game run a bit more, play some longer advantage, um, and just you know get, let the crowd and let the players get into the flow of the game a bit more, even if it means you know it occasionally breaking down into into a bit of sort of harem scarem stuff. It's look, I I think the game could have been slightly better, but I mean, look in terms of bringing it back to the question, Reg, what did we gain? Look, I think we gained a bit of knowledge about some of the players, to be honest. Some of the well, some of the fringe guys um, in that Wallaby squad, especially, and some of it, obviously, 
you know, Ben McCalman being one, one of the discoveries from, from my perspective and a few yeah, of those can, guys. Can we, yeah. can we, before, we go, before we go into individual players, because I think that's a worthy thing, there's a couple of things I wouldn't mind. You know, there's almost some more broader game things I, I wanted to touch on before we get to those individual players, which we'll just flow into that next one. Your comment about the referee, I just want to make something interesting here is, is how that comes about. So, you know, Jones coaches the Barbars and obviously says, guys, we're going to have fun. We're going to try things. We're going to show, you know, the Australian rugby public what rugby should be about. So they, you know, they do their moves. We'll talk about that in a sec. Checker probably goes into another thing, guys. You know, you're playing for positions, but have a bit of fun, enjoy it. And, you know, this is what we do. And even, even they had some moves that Duncan Payer's first try was, you know, that the, the, the back line set up straight. World rugby, I assume, points the referee but no one says, you know what, mate? It's a Barbars match. Yeah. Just chill out a little. You know, he's. He, I assume he just goes into it like it's every other match without. He's still a young, developing referee. Someone surely's got to tap him on the shoulder and go, mate, have fun. Use it as a, you know, focus on your positioning, all that sort of stuff. If things slide, they slide. But let's focus on, you know, getting the ball out and using this as a, uh, a development tool. But it's an entertainment piece. No one's saying that, I gather. Yeah. No, I think that's. I think that's a really. Safe assumption, Reg. I, th- yeah. I think he was he was appointed and, and refereed the game as if it was you know a, a, a lower tier international. It's 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 ac- it's actually a, a shame in hindsight, given that it was a non-capped international. It's a, it's actually a shame we couldn't have had someone like say Nick Berry. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. you know, yeah, yeah. Look, it was a. I I, I kind of. Thinking about it from the from the other angle, though, as well, I've kind of got a little bit of uh, a little bit of sympathy for Brendan Pickerel because he would have, even if he didn't know who the Barbarians coach was, he you know oh, it wouldn't have taken oh. a lot of a lot of research to know that he's got a bit of a platform. So he was yeah. going to be on a hiding to nothing. If he didn't referee it properly, then he was going to get criticised. If he did referee it properly, he was going to get criticised. And so he, there he was being criticised within what ninety seconds of full time. So uh, you know he was. He was on a bit of a hiding of nothing, and and unfortunately, it's the it's the post match rants that have, um, that have that have overshadowed anything else from the game. All right, we'll talk about hidings to nothing. I want to talk, I guess, broader than the games, the ARU in this one, and indeed the Wallabies. And we, it was all a, almost a no-win situation for the Wallabies. They win, we expect them to win. They yeah. lose, it's dire straits. But let's talk broader the ARU. And one of the big comments that happened sort of, I guess, the 24 hours before was, it, I think, Cameron Klein and perhaps reiterated by Bill Pulver, when Jones obscurely blew up about a lack of programs, um, and it was then sort of led that uh, I think I think it was Klein that came out first and basically said, "Look, it's not our match; it's the Barbarians' match. It's their job to promote it and market the game." Um, was that a lost opportunity? It, it, you know, is that a? Uh, and Hugh, we talked last week about money, and a figure of about 1.2 million I've heard is what the AAU got from this game, um, perhaps from, as, a, as a guarantee. And I don't know whether 27% or 30% has to go straight to the players and, and the rest of the AAU. But anyway, it's a, it's a nice little windfall for them. But, and perhaps there was no bonus for them for boosting the crowds. They weren't getting the, the gates. But was it a lost opportunity as a, as a potentially exciting rugby product when not much else is on, um, same weekend the Rugby League World Cup, launches for whatever that's worth but you know cricket season's about to kick off ashes was that a lost opportunity from the AU from a marketing perspective here or was that the right approach it's their game it'll just happen look to be honest Rich I I, I don't know exactly what the AU did for this and maybe there was some marketing that I didn't see um and maybe that you know maybe I did put some money behind it 
I, I think the truth is somewhere in between with all of these things. I mean, Alan Jones's rant, um, you know, I think he's he's probably the comment about the lack of a program. I mean, shows exactly what age he really is living in. <laughs> I mean, the idea that people are going to go, "Where's the program?" I mean, I haven't bought a match program, I think, since you know the late nineties, um, and no one does, and that's why they don't do them anymore for that exact reason. Because and the irony the, of that statement is that bloody Alan Jones changed his team the morning of the match too, yeah, you know, exactly. all of a sudden yeah. Nader Revora is playing outside centre. They, so they'd made this program, it would have been bloody obsolete, Jonesy. Well, and, and that's right. And these days programs, anyone that, you know, I get them occasionally because they provide them to people in the press box. They're, they're just glorified sort of um, uh, uh, magazines. They have articles yeah, exactly, and you read that, yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, the idea of looking There's at the team's list. There's some cracking articles in them sometimes, Reg. Cracking articles. I'm sure there are. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's not, you know, I, I buy them for the articles, really. I mean, obviously, uh, much like certain other magazines. But the um, Alan Jones's comments. Look, I, I think the idea of the AU not doing enough to promote the game. I, I mean, I think it holds a little bit of water. They probably could have done a bit more. In the crowd of seventeen thousand, was probably I think eight to ten light, given given you know probably the the afternoon in Sydney and you know SFS and a few other factors which I thought would see that crowd go a little bit higher. But at the same time. Look, this is not a centerpiece game. It wasn't a very good game, really. I'd much rather if they have, you know, and the AU, we all know, aren't particularly um, awash with money. I'd much rather they put their marketing dollars into the Bledisloe or Super Rugby yep. or NRC. NRC um, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. Rather than um, this game, which really, I mean, if you go as a as a as an occasional fan of the game, is this really the one that you're going to spend your money on? You know, is is this the thing that's going to come out and make you go, wow, this is a great game? I'm Coming again next year. Uh, look, I, I don't, I don't know. I think it was a nice end of season thing. The TV ratings were okay. Um, you know, the, the numbers were okay. Let's. I mean, it, I think it did everything that we thought it would do, and nothing more. This game. So, you know, I mean, Alan Jones, the circus that you were going to get. I mean, the, where, where the AU have got value out of this game is in column inches because it gave the media something to write about in a time when there's not normally that much, and yeah. and and you know, it'll be forgotten about in about ten days' time, and we'll never talk about it again. And, and look, I, t- talking about it from from that point of view, the, the publicity of it, I, I know uh, I, I know that in the lead up to it, the, the and there was a press conference with Jones and Michael Checker about, oh, maybe even the week before the, or was the week of the the early in the week of the Brisbane Bledisloe, they did a joint uh, presser in Sydney, and it was one of the biggest attended press conferences in for for rugby in Sydney this really? year. So yeah. from from that point of view, they they certainly got. Uh, some extra mileage out of Alan Jones. There's no two ways about that. But I, I sort of agree with what you're saying there, Hugh. I think they're it was a bit of a hiding for nothing for for, for rugby Australia, as they're now known, because they, you know, <laughs> there there there's, there would have only been so much publicity they could have done for it, even if they wanted to. And 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 you know, and by the same token, you know, you're, you're hardly going to devote a huge marketing budget to a game that. You're not necessarily going to get a huge benefit from anyway, and it isn't going to be a, a big marquee event. So, but from the other side of the coin, it would have been nice to see to see to see something that said, "Well, look, you know, here's the cream of the NRC competition playing in this game. You know, this yeah. is come and come and have a look at this as well, and you know, have a bit, have a bit of a uh, be a bit of linkage to the competition that um, that was that was fairly heavily hit last weekend." 
Yeah, yeah, good call. Look, um, before we get in the plays, I, I did want to, you know, the barbarian stuff I love. You know, the, the up the jumper move. The up the awesome. jumper was fantastic. How Wasn't good it great? that? I mean, it, it pisses me off that they put it up the jumper because, you know, I thought there was a, it was a, that you yeah. couldn't put up your jump, jumper when Jones was coaching. I mean, that was a law oh. change in the 70s sort of thing. So it's not as if it's just something new yeah. and it's clearly it's the never, players. It's just, never, I mean, ever, ever been legal to put a synthetic ball up your jumper. Put it that way. <laughs> or even a ball up your synthetic jumper. Um, but, <laughs> that, that's what I was surprised when I, because I actually didn't watch the match live. I was, I was out watching my kids play basketball and sort of was following a bit of the Twitter feed and someone said, you know, someone tweeted, Taniela Tupo has a up the jumper move, uh, try disallowed. I was like, how the hell does Taniela Tupo fit anything up his jumper in these <laughs> modern day jumpers? I mean, the guy is a monster and these jumpers are like scuba suits. So, um, but that was impressive. Um, and, and as, and as, as was pointed out, Reg, you know, of, of all the people who didn't need to put the ball up, a, up the jumper from five meters out, surely it's Taniela Tupo. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, but that sort of stuff. So let's, let's start talking about the players. Um, uh, Hugh, from your perspective, you, you mentioned Benny McCallman. Do you want to say anything more about him or anyone else that sort of caught the other? Do you think sort of, I guess, helped their cause a little bit with, without getting into the Wallaby squad too much just yet? Well, you know, helping, I mean, I think it was probably players on both sides. I mean, Benny McCallman was the obvious one. I mean, you came on and it was that sort of, well, he's, he's yeah, the forgotten man of Australian rugby. He come, yep. come back and I don't know what his injuries have been this year, but I certainly haven't seen much of him. And then he comes out and, and shows a, you know, what you would call a very McMahon-like um, sort of 20, 30 minutes off the bench. And, and, and I thought was very good. Um, you know, the, the backs, I, I thought were pretty average, if I, if I have to say it. And that's that's partly because they obviously hadn't been together very much, partly also because they didn't really have a huge amount of space and time to work with because of that lack of go-forward ball that I spoke about before. Um, you know, the, the guy that the guy that I, I suppose, if you had to say good things about in the back line, was, was probably Duncan Payuya. I thought he, mm. he, you know, showed a couple of touches that that was enough to say, hey, this guy could actually be something, and and that was probably all you're looking for. He certainly made a few mistakes, and and um in in both defence and attack. But yeah, there was enough there to, to to think that he might be something to to look at in in the future. So I think I think he was another one. But really, I, I don't know if you can really say there are a huge amount of other standouts. Actually, I thought um Alan Alatoa was probably my other one. If I had to have to call one out, he was very solid and held that scrum up well and made a couple of nice little um. Runs with ball in hand, but you know, I, I don't think it was um, it, it, there was any particularly um, great efforts from from the Wallabies. Nice to see Carmichael Hunt back, and you know, he probably is a class above that sort of game, but he's not the type to think really go and go and um, you know, he was obviously still coming back from injury and was a nice solid hit out for him. But um, you know, I, I, I don't know. McCalman for me was was the one shining light really. Yeah, and, clearly. And, hey, and also sorry, finishing quickly because I'll say all of the players because <laughs> I mean, do a classic Matt Rowley and and name seven players. But I mean, you've got to give it. I mean, ultimately, the man of the match until the end was probably Jack Dempsey, and that's the the sad note of the game, yeah. really, wasn't it? Because he was the only other one that was really good. Yeah, he was fantastic and actually outplayed Matty Hodgson there. I thought that open side flanker um, there. And we'll get to the barbars quickly. But one of the players, Brett, that Hugh mentioned there was Duncan Payua, who was very good and starting at ten. And I know a lot of people were very keen to see him given opportunity, but questioned his positioning as ten. Um, would like your thoughts on that. But also in your article you wrote for the Raw, was that today or yesterday that came out um, today? Uh, yeah, today. Make- yeah. You make mention there about Checker wanting to have a chat to the Reds about where Duncan plays for them next year. 
Yeah. So, and and I and I that was that's me picking up something that I read over the weekend myself. Um, it, right. it was. It's it's just my interpret and 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 someone actually asked me asking about that in the, in the flow on comments there today. My my reading of it is that it's more it's it's not so much checking going to the Reds and saying this guy needs to play ten next year and you know forget about that Cooper bloke. It's more yep. about the way I see it is it's more that I think he's trying to say that Duncan Payawa is definitely in the Mix. in the frame. Yep. to be a wallaby fly half and it would be really really handy if he could get a bit of you know game time there during super rugby season now i don't think that for any for a moment supersedes any plans with, with quade cooper i think you can still well and truly yeah. have have both what what i definitely saw out of out of duncan in that game was enough to to, to think that he really should be on the spring in the spring tour squad and he's not yeah. And there's again no backup ten, and this is doing my head right. in. Yeah, all right. Let's get we'll get to the Wallaby squad. But I I tell you what, if you you know you want if he's wanting Duncan to play a bit of ten next year, he's got to start having a look at Hamish Stewart and how he's playing for the yeah the, absolutely NRC as well. Um, yeah. All right. Well, and, and, about... he, and he would and he would know that because he's been playing outside Hamish Stewart yeah, for Queensland absolutely. country. So exactly. you know exactly. Well, let's have a, what about the Barbarians team? A big to Kelly Narrovoro ran for a thousand meters. It seemed like mm. playing it outside center. What you know? What's his go? He he. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been fantastic in us. And, you know, I get a little bit frustrated about his move being, you know, big charge down the sideline and then just a aimless fling uh, inside. <laughs> fling back inside. Yeah, I mean, can he crack it? You know, you know and he's, to say, can he crack it? He scored, he's played two tests and scored a couple of tries. But, you know, is there a legitimate potential in Narravoro, you reckon, Hugh, at all? Or? Oh, well, he's one of the funniest players of our time, isn't he? Because <laughs> don't, I mean, like he's he's a wrecking. He's built like a prop, and yet somehow has made it as a winger, and he's legitimately good. You know, mm. you watch him barrel over people like that, and you go, "How is this guy not, you know, tearing up somewhere?" Mm. You know, like he he kind of has always been in this middle ground of, of probably too good for club. He's had, you know, ups and downs at super level and probably that's about his level. But then, you know, I've seen him in tests and I remember Michael Checker in that third test against England, which was his second of two tests, um, where he came off the bench with about 10 minutes to go. And we literally scored a try late in the game of almost like an NFL move with a running back where they literally just passed it to him with five metres out and ahead of steam mm. and no one could stop him and he scored in the corner. And it was kind of like, whoa, well, that was a remarkably easy try, whereas England knew what was coming and they still couldn't defend him. Um, and I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't been used like that a bit more, especially at test level when, you know, the reserve outside back as a role is always a little bit odd because, you know, it's not like the outside backs really get that tired. Um, and... You know, Naira Voro, his issue is his, his tendency to get caught out in defense, and he's got a turning circle, you know, the size of the Titanic. But, yeah. you know, he, <laughs> but he, you know, with five, ten minutes to go in a test that might be, you know, tight and we need a late try, I, I think he'd be the guy you'd want to bring on, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's a very specific scenario, and I'm not sure you want him on it there if, you, if you're down. But, Look, I, I I I like him, and he's one of the best players to watch. And man, he scored some amazing yeah. tries. I mean, a highlight, yeah. a YouTube highlights reel of his would be would be a sensational watch. But um, yeah, he was he he was good, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and and, yeah, and playing that at thirteen channel. Sorry, go on, Brent. I I, I think I, I think Naya biggest issue is is has always been, will always be, is is defence, which you touched on there, Hugh, and 
and I'll, I mean, I'm just I'm just reading off the the NRC numbers. He's he's missed six of fifteen tackles this year in the yeah, NRC. Right. So. Yeah. What's he going to miss at Super Rugby level? What's he going to miss at Test level? I, I, I think he could be really, really destructive if he gets a full Waratahs preseason under him. He, he could, he could really do some damage at Super Rugby level. I'm, I think we've gone past him at Test level, I, and I, I actually think we're going, we're going past the big winger stage yeah. again. I think we're moving on from from that a bit now. Back, so back, back to a bit of pure speed with uh, currently. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Thing, I th- yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there's, I think there's going to be a place for him, and 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 Julian Savi is showing that at the moment over in over in um, with, with Wellington's success in in New Zealand. So there's still room for the big man in the game, but I, I just, I'm not so sure about it at uh, at international level anymore. Yeah, okay. A couple of other players I thought worth mentioning, and, and one we may get into a bit soon was was Banks. Looked obviously very good as, as well on the wing. Um, is he Nasserani? You know, I don't think he can come. His eligibility can come quick enough, and I don't know. I don't know why. I, I assume he's turned down any Fiji overtures because I assume Fiji would have offered him. Uh, you know, chosen him, and I, I assume he said no. Oh, um, they they would have offered him an island if he was. Yeah, keen. yes, exactly. So I assume that's which is good for us. Um, because, you know, again, he proved he's just – his leg drive is just immense, which is fantastic. So I thought Andrew Reddy played one of his better games of the year, which he is did. great because he's, you know, he's, he's on the – you look at that hooking position and maybe there's something we'll talk about Wallaby squad, you know, with Moore gone and Tatafu. I don't know what his future is, but we could be very quickly looking for um, any sort of hooker we can. Um, and, and Luke Jones, you know, when he came back, I thought he was pretty impressive yeah. too. That was, that was the one I was going to mention. He's, he's, um, his performance just gave us a – a nice sort of reminder of what we've been missing for the last 18 months or so. He's, um, you know, it's it's not that long ago that Luke Jones was being spoken about the same way that Adam Coleman's been spoken about now. And so, yeah. you know, imagine, I mean, dare you imagine what a Luke Jones, Adam Coleman second row would look like? But also, you know, he, you know, he could play six. You know, I reckon I'd... I'd well, you know, I'd, yeah. Yeah, well, and look, I've I've got, I've got to admit that I'm a little bit excited about the idea of Luke Antui playing six. I, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of upside to that, which I I hope we. Um, I know he won't. He looks like he won't play the first two tests on on tour. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's if there's an opportunity to play, to play him at six, you know, not on that third game, which I think is is it Scotland or is it Ireland the third no, game? No, we play we, England the third game, so we finish. Oh, we don't finish with England. Oh, right, oh, I've no. got that wrong. Man. So yeah, look, I I hope there's an opportunity there for for Tui at at um, at Blindside somewhere on this tour. Yeah, I think okay. I think the, the the interesting thing about this game, Reg, and I think I, I imagine we're all in agreement. That and what we said last week, I think at my point, you know, which was probably a little bit more positive about this game than yours, but that 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 the concept was right, the timing was wrong, and yeah. I think yeah. you know the yeah. the, the um. The discussion that we've had on this so far, and we could probably do another half an hour if we wanted to, yeah, yeah. you know, is that there's so much that actually did come out of this game in terms of talking yeah. points and players that that we're interested in. I mean, if you put this before a Bledisloe or you know somewhere in that you know pre-international as a leading game, I think you know it would really be an interesting place to start discussions for the for the for the you know. I kind of wish my point is I kind of wish we played this game three months ago because yeah. you know, we did we did see a lot of things and and yeah, look, I think it should have been the Australian and barbarians and not the barbarians yep. the, the global brand but you know the, the, the other thing I mean turning it slightly negative was was is guys that I think you know there was a few blokes who I think had a chance and and probably yeah. um, probably squandered it and the, and the guy that Reg I'd be interested to hear your take on who's I think is in a real 
he's in a real spot in international rugby at the moment where I don't not sure where he fits is yeah. Samu Karevi. Yeah, I knew you were going um, to go there. I, I agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what's going on with Samu at the moment. He's obviously really highly regarded. You know, he, from his leadership perspective, I was, you know, you, you've I've, I've heard Checker talk up his leadership credentials, and I, 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 I'm curious, which is great, fantastic. But you're right, his on-field performance just isn't there, and I almost feel, I don't know, you know, is he better off going to tour and just keep the excitement going, or should he stay at home and maybe reconnect with the Reds and and Thorn and Carrozza and all that sort of stuff? I don't know because he, he's probably lucky to be there, but you know that might be a, a depth thing at the moment. Billy Meeks wasn't overly impressive. But prepared to give him a bit of leeway as well. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. Karevi's not where I think he should be. And I, I still think he could be sensational. I, you know, I've seen enough of him to think that he's he's a remarkable talent. I'm not as down on his defence as everyone else's. I think it's an issue at the moment, but I don't think he um, he it's, it's you know, unrepairable for him or the point of, of just sort of inking him out of the team for future selections. I think he's still got a huge potential future career. But he ain't there at the moment. Yeah, his, def- his defense is better at thirteen than it is at twelve. Reg, yeah, I'll, certainly, I'll certainly agree with that. But it feels—I agree with you. It feels the moment that he's—he's um, he, he, he's not Homer Simpson walking backwards into the hedge. He's Homer Simpson standing <laughs> still, and the hedge is coming and swallowing him because it—it <laughs> it feels like he's been overtaken. And I'll—I'll I'll say the same thing about Lapetti Tamani. I, I genuinely think Tamani's the luckiest bloke in that squad. I yeah. would not would not have taken him in my yeah. in my humble opinion. And I think there's a real big chance that you know McCalman and you know maybe even Luke Antui go go past Tamani on this tour by by some margin. So, All right. um, and I agree, agree with your point about the timing and, and the, um, uh, uh, here, but I, but I will say that I think had they have played that as Australian barbarians, they would have been lucky to get 10,000 there. There's, there's yeah. no way you'd have been able to sell a ticket for that. But it doesn't need to be a Sunday. It doesn't need to be a blockbuster. That's the thing. I mean, you played well, in but, Canberra. You played in. You yeah. played somewhere Gold, where or Gosford you know, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if it's a, if it's an Australian Barbarians game, though, there is no way in hell you play that during the NRC. It's just it's no. just oh, not no, that can't. important. You can't. Yeah. 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 All right, lads, let's move on. We're only done question one, which is great. Like you say, Hugh, a lot of discussion there. But let's we've started to talk about it. Let, let's talk about the Wallaby squad uh, selection and, and some of the big surprises there. Um, I guess let's talk about inclusions. Uh, you know, someone you were happy to see there, uh, surprised by, or just at least pleasantly surprised to, to see there. Hugh, I'm, I'll go to you first because I'm sure um, there's a few options there. <laughs> well... There, there are and there aren't. I mean, I, I mean, I thought, I mean, my, my overall take on this question, what was the surprise? Maybe it's just me, but I don't think there was a huge amount of surprise. I mean, there were, there, there were probably a few slightly left field picks, but uh, there wasn't anyone that was, that was radically, you know, different. The guy I suppose I'll give a shout out to is a guy that I I have been impressed by this year as a young up and comer and glad he got picked as a development player is Jack Maddox. Um, you know, came onto the scene very young, under 20s, playing for the Rebels, um, and really, you know, pretty limited history in rugby actually going back, you know, um, only a few years for the Scots College. He was playing in the thirds and, you know, really uh, focusing on his cricket. So, you know, he's, he's a really interesting sort of bloke and, and I have been really impressed with the way he stepped up to super rugby for the Rebels. Um, and I think he's, he, he's a guy that, um, I'm hoping to see develop and I was ha- happy to see him, um, get picked. I suppose the guy, um, yeah, so that, that's probably a positive. And another one, I think, I don't know if it's a positive, but I was kind of surprised to see him get picked, um, seemingly as a genuine squad player. Um, Taniella Tupo, 
Um, he, he seems to be, he's coming, apparently joining after the NRC with yeah. a view to, to, you know, potentially, you know, throwing him onto the bench for a game. I mean, that's, that was a surprise to me because I thought he looked a little bit out of place in that Barbarians game. So his eligibility oh. must be pretty close to, is it? No, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got, I've got a, a sneaking suspicion he isn't eligible until they get to Ireland, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. But, okay. Which is, which is then marries, it just sort of fits in nicely to, uh, hanging around for the NRC as well, I suppose. So that probably leads me into Tom Banks is probably the unlucky one. And, and yeah, I, yeah. I made the linkage to, to Tom Banks and, and Jack Maddox today, and, and I've got absolutely nothing against Jack Maddox going as, no. a, as, as a development player, but he looks I, I, but I he, agree. He really does. He, he really does. He's got time with the ball. He, there's, there is so much upside Jack Maddox. However, Checker's reasoning for it was that he wanted to look at a specialist fullback, and with Falau not being there, you make that sort of comment with the view to playing them. And, you know, Maddox isn't going to play on the tour. So if you're looking, if you are wanting more depth, at fullback, then you want a guy that's ready to go, and surely that's yeah. Tom Banks. Yeah. So I, I don't quite – the the logic there doesn't quite marry up because at the same time he's, he's taken Matt Phillip and Blake Enova, who Matt Phillip I think probably should have been there you know, for a few tests now as it is, but I'm really glad he's been recognised. Blake Enova's a bit of a left-field selection, and, and I honestly thought that once Rory Arnold was out, then that was Sam Carter's name. You know, just in there for yep. sure and certain. I just, I just didn't even really consider that 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 Anover would be um, would would be the one that that goes. But again, I'm I'm really happy for him, and it's and it's not at all undeserved. But yeah, there's a, there's a few there's a few funny ones like that. I'm really really happy to see Ben McCalman there, and that's probably the big the big um, the big boost from the from the Barbarians game. Yeah, so the, yeah, just going back to the Tom Banks thing, I don't get it. I agree. I think he legitimately deserved his spot. Looking at that back line, I don't know. Out of that, you know, the, the squad's names picked. I, I don't know how you fit them in. You know, it, you just have to take an extra one, or you know, even Curtis Rona, to be honest, I'd consider or Penny yeah. Spate, to be honest, I'd, yeah. two of those I'd probably consider taking Banks ahead of. Yeah, I don't understand why Maddox is considered a specialist over Banks, but I don't. But that same reasoning on allowing Banks to stay at home and play NRC, why is Liam Wright there? And, and like I think Liam Wright's superb, yeah. but. I'd prefer him. You know, that's probably a little bit, you know, parochial there. Wright should be back playing footy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I don't, don't want to deny yeah. him the right to, you know, tour with the Wallabies. But um, he's a 19-year-old. He hasn't played Super Rugby. Let him play some. But but, but but again, here's these mixed messages, Reg. If, yeah, if the, exactly. If, if exactly. the reasoning for for, Taniela, for, the, for leaving Taniela Tupo behind is to to finish off the NRC with with uh, yep. with Queensland country, then you could have done the same thing with Liam Wright. You know, exactly. by, you know, by all means, take take Jack Maddox now. Fine, that's no problem at all. But it wouldn't have hurt Liam Wright's development to go over in two weeks' time. It wouldn't have yep. hurt at all. You, yeah, I, exactly right. I, I don't quite get the logic in some cases. The, yeah, the one, no. the one guy who I suppose t- switching to not negative, more negative again, but um, who I think was an entire, it was an entirely sensible selection decision, but a bit sad in a way is 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 the omission of Kane Douglas. Um, and you know, you look at the the lock the lock market at the moment with with uh, injury to Rory Arnold um, and Luke Antui battling a hamstring injury, um, and you know, really no one else around other than the incumbents being Simmons and Coleman. Um, 
And so really any lock worth their salt probably, you know, would be considered a strong chance. And Kane Douglas, one with his international pedigree, should have been a walk-up start, starting a game for the Wallabies against the Barbarians. And and he was just anonymous. It was sad. Yeah. You know, for a bloke that, yeah. you know, that was a, so dominant in that Rugby World Cup, and I don't know if it's a if it's an injury thing, if it's a mental thing, if it's you know what what the story is with Kane Douglas. But but you know he should have been the the he, you know he's on his day probably you know our best lock or very close to it. But it, it seems like he just can't rediscover that form. No. And 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 God, it's it's I mean what a perplexing career. We talk about Nayara Voro. I mean Kane Douglas, <laughs> who really was kind of there or thereabouts and a bit struggling and kind of had good days and bad. And then for one glorious season was incredible. Um, and everything that we thought he'd be, and now has sort of gone back to what he was before, which is this sort of bits and pieces player that can never really get it together. And and and. You know, I think Michael Check has made a pretty sensible decision there based on the form that he put on the field for the Barbarians, where he was you know, certainly outplayed by a, a little Matt Phillips stint off the bench and, and, you know, outplayed by pretty much every other lock on that field. I, I, I watch, I've watched him pretty closely back for Brisbane City, uh, Hughes, since, since he came back, and he, uh, he, just, he just hasn't done anything that has made me say, you know what? He's worthy of a look again. It, it just it just hasn't happened, and I completely agree with what you're saying. I think he I think he does a, a lot of like he and even his tackle camp for the Barbarians came was was big. I think it might, might have even topped the Wallabies. He makes a lot of tackles. He doesn't yeah, have he, does. he doesn't have the impact. Yeah, you know, he one of his big strengths, particularly in the the Checker Wallabies in that World Cup year, was his his shooter defence, so to speak. He really put on big hits and really put pressure on the line. Doesn't do that anymore. I think he hits a lot of rucks. Um, but again, he doesn't make the impact. And I, the modern day lock, lock just seems to be more than that. You know, you look at yeah. the, the impact Coleman has around the players, the, the development in Rory Arnold's running yeah. game. And might yeah. I say, Richie Arnold's running game. Matt, <laughs> Phillips, Matt Phillips's impact around the field. Yeah. Um, Blake Gennaro might be a little bit different for that. I know he's very regarded again for his leadership. Can I mention Blake? And I'm, I'm only saying it here because I forget where, but on one of these bloody media outlets, I called Blake Ever Enova as a Wallaby at the start of this year. And I can't remember if it was the Rugby Draft podcast or one of this podcast. It might have been in a private message to a mate. Now, Reg, can I just can I just stop P- you there? Pictures, because yeah. because it didn't happen, Reg. Viewers, well, because I mean, people wouldn't have heard this because we hadn't actually hit record at the time. But um, you put a pretty um, heavy word on Brett uh, talking about his his um, you know um, pro- uh, what would I call it promiscuity within media outlets, uh, his ability to uh, you know talk to a lot of podcasts with a lot of players. There's a slur on Brett McKay, our good frequent contributor and friend of the show, and now here you are. I can't even remember what show it was. You yeah, it might have been a box sports article. It might have been when I was I around announcing. I where I said it, who I was talking to, it was someone very important, but I definitely said it. You are one very black kettle, Reg. One very, very black kettle. Okay, fair enough. Hey, one final question before we move on. And this was, and I wish I could credit him, but someone in our forum came up with this idea, and I love it. So development players is something, I guess, you know, we've started over the last couple of years. Um, was it Callaway, Parisi, and Tupo last year? I don't know if anyone else was there. And, and um, Jack Dempsey. It was Dempsey, Jack, was it? Jack Dempsey was the fourth, yeah. Um, and then we've got a couple here. Uh, what about development coaches? Someone, you know, so just yeah. why wouldn't you take someone like, a, I don't know, Manatini or a Heenan or a, um, yeah, a, a Huxley or someone yeah. like that 
give them yeah. a chance to, to, to go on tour and, um, you know, they might run a warm-up, but they might just be there to listen to uh, to Checker and Malarkham and Gray and all that sort of stuff and just get that understanding of the, the high level. might not be relevant for Huxley. He's, he's sort of played at the high level, but that's sort of next level of coach as well. Any merit in that, do you reckon? I think I think it's a I think it's a great idea. I, I think we well I think we're way too quick to overlook the development of coaches within Australia, and there isn't that many opportunities at the top level. So I think anything like that has to be seen as a as, as a positive. Yeah. Okay. Great idea. I wish I could credit who it was. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> all right. Question three, guys. So we have got four tests on tour. The question is basically, what are expectations? Let's almost say, what do we, you know, what will be a pass mark for the Wallabies on tour? So they played Japan this weekend. They followed that up with Wales at Millennium Stadium. Then they've got, so that's on the 12th of November, so just over a week after. Um, then they've got England at Twickenham and finished with Scotland at Murrayfield. Uh, the traditional Grand Slam, I think it is. So, um, Hugh, what are you looking for? What do you think is going to be the pass mark? Look, yeah, look, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it, isn't it, Reg? I mean, I think um, with a four-game tour, you'd hope that they'd probably win three out of four. But, you know, obviously Japan's the one at the start. You'd expect them to win that and probably take two of the next three, um, being Ireland, England, Scotland. I think that's what you'd hope for. But I think it's probably about more than result at this stage. I think after the Brisbane Bledisloe, um, this Wallaby team answered a lot of questions uh, about them. And I think everyone's in a pretty comfortable place with where we're at. And obviously losing is Rafa Lau and now Jack Dempsey, um, you know, gives a chance for some other players to come up. And, and I think even if we walked away with, with, with two out of four, um, but we showed some nice signs, I think that'd be enough. Um, I don't know if the Wallabies team have got a huge amount to prove on this trip. I think they're in a pretty good spot. Um, the game that I think everyone will have their eyes on, though, is England. I mean, I, again, I think I'll, I'll, I'll cope with anything. I'll cope with losing the other three if we can beat England. And, I mean, there's still a lot there. Um, there's a lot of um, angst and build-up and history. And I think there's a lot of unfinished business we've still got with, with, with England. And um, that's that's what I'd really love to see. And they've got a few players out. It looks like they'll have Ben Teo out. They'll have... Um, Joe Marler, I think, is another one, um, and Elliot Daly. So, you know, I feel like we might actually have an opportunity if we can turn up um, and play our best to beat England at Twickenham. I think that'll go a long way to healing some old wounds. Mm. So, really, that's the game I'm interested in. The other stuff would be nice and hope to see some, some you know, I'd like to see Carmichael Hunt come back into the team. I'd like to, to see Benny McCalman get a run. I like, you know, Luke Antui, a few of these players... But in terms of the wins and losses, I, I don't know if I'm so worried about it as, as I might have been in past tours. Uh, Brett, what do you reckon? Do, do you reckon we'll play our best? Do you reckon there'll be much swapping and changing that'll be ref- confined to the bench? Or do you think it'll be just be our 15, our best 15 um, week to week? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, um, I think Czech has actually basically said that, that we need to start now you know, firming our, our our first 15 now. And he made the point this week that it's uh, they'll play Japan basically two years to the day out from the uh, from the World Cup final. Yeah, right. So okay. It's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's really we're really getting into the the pointy end of the cycle now. So he's I, th- I think his year of development is now over. It's it's we now you're into the the refinement, the tapering period, if you like. So I don't know that we'll see a whole lot of change to the 15. Obviously, there'll be a new fullback and there'll obviously be a new lock um, and there'll be a new back row, obviously, with Dempsey out as well. But I don't – I think if there's going to be a little bit of 
um, you know, trialing things that might be on the bench. But I, I think the the the, the, the run on side will probably be pretty pretty much the same for the for the four tests. And 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 I'll be interesting to see. I think the big question everyone wants to ask is. Does does Hunt go straight into twelve, or and, and with with Beal at, at fullback, or does Hunt go into 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 fullback and Beal stays where he is? I, realistically, I think you know I, I, Beal's going to play at the back wherever yeah. he is, um, yeah. and I just I just think you why wouldn't you just simplify things and let Hunt play it inside centre and you know just be done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too sure. I think I think that's just a number, a number of jersey type thing, isn't it? We know what role they'll play, yeah, regardless probably. of where they pick, sort of thing. Uh, and and, my, and I mentioned it earlier. My big, I think you're right. I think they'll pick the strongest fifteen. My big question is around that number two jersey. So Stephen Moore's touring. Mm. This will be his last tour for the Wallabies. Um, Tatafu's there. I haven't heard anything about Tatafu next year. If, if anything, I'm hearing he's more leaning to head overseas. Um, we, we could start next season looking for a new Wallaby hooker and a reserve hooker. So yeah. obviously Tolu Latu's there. He's been injured at the moment. Um, Andrew Reddy, uh, yeah, Jordan Yalesi's debuted this year for our Fiingas, at least been in the squad. Um, Reddy's, you know, been there or thereabouts. And as we say, he's been improving. Um, I'm hearing James Hansen might want to get out of his, his Rebels contract and head overseas. I know he's over there now, but extend that stay. So there's a lot of dynamics around that mm. two hooking spot, not just, not just your bench hooker. You know, you're starting and your backup hooker there, which is, which is pretty critical, uh, to that team. So uh, I'll be interested to see how that plays out if they stick with a, a Moore and Tatafi double act for the whole tour, um, which would mean, um, you know, there's, there's no depth building for next year, but I guess that's what Super Rugby is, and Yalesi will just you know get a lot of benefit out of just being part of the tour squad. Um, my, my my suspicion there, Reg, just just very quickly yep. on that is that is that Moore will play against Ireland and England, and Yalesi will play against Japan and Scotland. So, c- can I confirm? By the way, there's no Ireland test. <laughs> so I've got Japan, Wales, England, Scotland. Is it just the four tests? Oh. Uh, yeah, it is. I keep I keep subbing Ireland and Wales in. You're, yeah, you're right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Sorry, so, that's yeah. my mistake. Okay, so you say you say more will play what? Sorry, Wales and Scotland. I, I, I yeah. Well, and maybe and maybe it'll be maybe it'll be Scotland and England now. <laughs> Scotland, England. Like, yeah, okay, um, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I sort of imagine he'd be he'd play the the two bigger Big tests ones, of yeah. the four, if that makes yep. sense. And 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 and, and Lacey will play the. the I'll, I'll be absolutely stunned if Stephen Moore doesn't. Run out on Twickenham one last time. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I, I just that's just I, I I just think that that's the way it's being not not yeah not that's the way it's being set up. I just think that's 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 what it, what it will be. Yeah, right. Interesting. So uh, looking at those test matches, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I know what you're saying, Hugh, and and I, I I just think it's so important now for the Wallabies to maintain momentum. Our frustration with the Wallabies all year and we've been caught out with it is the up and down performances of them. Um, and we have seen a, a, a steady incline with probably a couple of blips down, you know, that third, uh, that second blitter slow was an improved performance despite the loss. But then we, you know, we're pretty dull versus South Africa, but then we picked up overseas and so on. So there was hope that we need to continue that. England's an obvious one. We must beat England. You know, we must beat England after what we went through uh, last year with them. Um, but, you know, Scotland, you know, beating us on our own turf uh, mm. earlier this year as well in, in a pretty dire performance as well. And, and you know, there might be 
there might be some justification around that from Checker in terms of he really ran the squad hard that that June series, but that doesn't change the fact that the the scores on the on the board there. And the other one, you know, there's all of them Wales. What's our winning streak over Wales at the moment? It must go back oh, four, five, six years. Eight, yeah, eight yeah. or nine tests, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's another. One, I think you know, it's, it's I think it's up to twelve, thirteen. Yeah, I, I think it's it really. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's another one we don't want to lose. So I look, I, I. I know what you're saying, but I, I want to win these tests. I, you know, this is yeah. – we've got to get back into that winning field and, and having beaten the All Blacks, you know, how good it would, would it be to have beaten the All Blacks and then to go into next year with, um, you know, an undefeated tour under our belt. It just changes the yeah. whole dynamic of the of the team, of the game and everything here. So I, um, compl- I completely agree. I, th- I, think, I, th- I, think, I think that's what they should be targeting. I And, and I – I wrote a couple of weeks ago well, that, that yeah. yeah yeah I, I wrote a couple of weeks ago that the that the winning season was in was in range and that was before the third blood is low and I sort of wrote it you know half seriously I suppose but now that they've won that third blood is low then you know anything short of four wins I think would be would be huge disappointment now yeah yep I agree with that um all right, let's get on to question four, guys. We'll move on away from the international stuff and uh, on to the domestic and the NRC. Uh, the preliminary rounds finished this last weekend. Uh, we're about to get into the finals. But before we look too far ahead of the finals, let's look at the season as a whole. And I guess uh, I want to talk standouts. It's such a broad question, Brett, and it probably gives us a chance to um, to sort of talk players, teams, the season itself. But your impressions on the uh, on the NRC this season, which was iteration four, four, yeah, yeah. Look, oh, it's 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 definitely been it's definitely been the best the best yet. Yes. I've, I've I've had yep. um, I've had no disagreement whenever I've put that up, and I've and I've spoken to a couple of players as recently as today, and, and, and even they agree with it. And my and my my read on it is that we had a really big jump from season two to season three, and the the jump this year isn't as big as it was last year, but it's still gone up again three to four. And, and I think that's a really good thing. You know, there's, what, two two competition points, three competition points between third on the table and sixth. Um, you know, really, really close this year. We've seen, you know, anyone could beat anyone on, on any given day throughout the competition. So... It's it's really it's really competitive. It's it's it, the the rugby's been great. Um, I, I was really pleased that the change back to the traditional scoring yeah, methods yeah. didn't do anything to it. And I was a little bit skeptical about that. I must admit, um, and and I had no reason to do it in in the, in, in in hindsight. Um, but yeah, it's just been it's just been so enjoyable. And, and again, I hate keep coming back to the same point. It's it's a it's a shame that. The last the last round wasn't yeah. ruined, but it's a shame the last round was compromised the way it was, it was yep. because there was two, you know, really really crucial games that were still great, but could have been even better with the full complement of players. And so, um, you know, there's been there's been so many good good things coming out. Well, I think Queensland Country's turnaround, I think, is the is the obvious one to have gone from having won five games in three seasons. To now go into a semi final with a six and two season, uh, it's yeah. a it's incredible turnaround. And, and you look at their two losses. It was that first game of the season versus the Vikings, where yep. they were probably the down, better team. Here, it, was yeah. just, it just felt, you know, they let a few things slip. Vikings got out fast. They came back. And the Vikings finished strong, but you know that game was well worth and taking. And then the one on the weekend versus the Perth yeah. Spirit, where it was a eighty-first uh, minute penalty goal from Peter Grant 
yeah, yeah, albeit with a pretty dire second half, but also missing a few key players that were the two losses. I, it was interesting, Brett. I caught the tail end of a Twitter conversation you're having with Ben Darwin on that country team, and we all know yeah. Benny Darwin's um, sort of, uh, I guess, focus and, and beliefs on a successful rugby team. But he had applied that to Queensland country, and, and they were the most, uh, what's his terminology, consistent in selection through the, yeah. the NRC? They, they, yeah. His his wording was that they basically had the most the most carryover from 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 last year to this year. So mm. they, which which surprised me because I knew that New South Wales country had a big carryover as well. I know that that, that their number is about eighteen or nineteen twenty guys were were there last season as well. So, uh, and 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 just in the like the core fifteen, if you like, for the Eagles, there hadn't been a lot of movement at all. So, um, yeah. I was surprised to hear that 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 Queensland countries was was even better than that. But again, it, it, it makes perfect sense because the combinations were already there and the big issue with them in the, in the three previous seasons has been that the defence has been pretty ordinary. Bring yeah. Brad Thorne into it, who just instills a bit, a bit of hard work and, you know, pretty simple philosophies around working hard and working for each other and working for the team. And, you know, bang, six and yeah. two, two seasons. It's a... Uh, it's it's quite a quite a remarkable turnaround, and, and you know Thorne gets a lot of kudos, but I also want to shout out to Paul Carrozza, who's one of the unsung yeah. heroes of Queensland rugby for decades now, and, and has sort of worked with the academy in its various forms and identified and developed a lot yeah. of the, these players for a lot to see a lot of them sort of go elsewhere, but to see him get a chance at that sort of assistant coaching gig in that yeah. backline looking so good, so yeah, well, Queensland country fantastic. Thorne and Carrozza obviously had the Queensland under under twenty side. This year as well, so they've they've come yep. through as a as, as a coaching block. And I, I spoke to Thorne last week in a, in, a, in an interview, yeah, and, that was and, great. And, and he mentioned Paul Carrozza three times in the first ten minutes. So yeah, um, yeah, they they they've got a really good combination, much like Kevin Foot and Dave Vessels. I've, I've got to say, yeah, exactly. Um, so. The big standout for me with Queensland Country, and it sort of kudos to Brad Thorne's coaching, was uh, I think it's a sign of a good coach. Is when the new players came in, come in, how their ability to perform at that level, that the Teddy yeah. Tellers, um, the the Paddy Jameses, um, when Angus Blythe came in, all these sorts of guys, Kerwin Sandays, uh, the, the Alex Casey and Alex Murphy, you know, those were interchangeable. Now these guys would come in and they would still perform at a high level, which I think is, is, is kudos to the coaches. Yeah, abs- um, absolutely. Absolutely. Then, I mean, the other big factor was Fiji, I guess. Um, a wonderful uh, uh, addition to the competition. It brought everything I think we wanted them to bring, um, aside from, you know, a couple of nasty, <laughs> nasty incidents. Yeah. Um, which really soured this season, but uh, fantastic to watch. Uh, fans, great, great rugby. Um, uh, so, yeah, that was great to see. Yeah, I, they, they've, they've been fantastic. They, you know, I, I think, I think everyone was hoping they'd do really well. I think maybe in the back of everyone's mind, there might have been the thought that you know, maybe that they might actually be a, a little bit off the pace. If not, yeah. not and, and I don't mean pace literally. I, you know, I, I mean that figuratively, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. But 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 I think I think the competition really came alive when they won those first two home games. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and, and and won them well, and 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 straight away we're thinking, oh, hang on a minute! Not only are these guys competitive, but they're going to take some serious beating over there. So, they've they've been fantastic. It, it has been a little bit soured by their their discipline record, particularly yeah. in the last two weeks. They've had penalty counts of what nineteen nineteen and fifteen against them. Um, yeah. yeah, they've basically averaged one yellow card a game, and 
I'm I'm led to believe that there was a hell of a lot more went on that wasn't pinged in the, in that yeah, race right. game on the weekend. So I I think once the season's done, I, I think there might just be a little bit of a quiet word between the NRC um, organisers and and the yeah. and, and and the Fijian Fijian Union, just saying just just perhaps reminding them that you know when you run onto a ground now, there are going to be cameras everywhere and. You, you can't yeah. you, this this sort of stuff just can't go on anymore and, and yeah that's a really valid point and, and and I hope they do and hope they come back better look one of the disappointments for the year before Hugh so we go to you um the uh, the injury to Nathibi, the the Fijian yeah half slash fullback he looked like he could have taken this tournament by storm and was amazing those first few games. I think he must have got injured in round three. Um, uh, yeah, about then, round three again. or four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, I, I he he was he was definitely in, uh, in the frame for the uh, for the national squad, and, and I suspect that had he have played through, I yeah. think Fiji finished top two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which which in itself would have created a few interesting issues because I know that Fox Sports weren't necessarily entirely satisfied with the quality of the feed yeah. coming from, from Fiji. So there was some yep. suggestion that, that maybe they wouldn't have been able to host. But right. either way, the Oceana Sevens are at the National Stadium in Suva on the 10th and 11th of November. So they wouldn't oh, have been right. able to host the final anyway. So, so yeah, right. you know, getting okay. getting beaten as they have done in the last two games has sort of avoided sort of things the out situation. There. Yeah, it has. All right, so, Hugh. Sorry, you know when Brett and I get talking NRC, it's hard for anyone else to to get a word in there. What about your perspective, Hugh, on the season so far, and, and what sort of stood out for you? Oh no, I'm happy to sit back and hear you know you two media heavyweights um, <laughs> like yourself go at it. And, and, and uh, enough, so enough much from us, Hugh. What, what do you think of us? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean the, the team for me that that I've watched a little bit of this season, um, in in a season of mine that's probably a bit sporadic in the way I've, I've watched the NRC is is the Perth Spirit and yeah. you know defending champions and looking back. Um, probably the most consistent team over the whole course of the NRC, you'd have to say. Um, and given the things that were going on behind the scenes, you know, you'd probably give them a pass if they had a bit of an off year. Um, and, and not only have they actually, you know, once again qualified for the finals um, with a last-minute Peter Grant penalty call, it, um, mm. which which was was sensational. But you, you know, the, the crowds, uh, the crowds at, at yeah. uh, over in Perth, McGilvray, been absolutely yeah. fantastic at McGilvray Oval. They're probably you know the, the off-field highlight of the competition for mine, and they're just. Keeping that that beautiful conveyor belt of talent that they've, that they've um, started up there, and it's a bit of a bittersweet moment as an Australian rugby fan watching yeah. watching yeah. them. To be honest, because you just wonder, you know, if if there's a way of, of that this can continue, and you hope it does. But um, you know, a guy like Richie Arnold who played so well, oh, yeah, he's been incredible. Incredible. His his development has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and and obviously, yeah, you know, we've talked about Matt Phillip, who's now yep. yeah in the Wallaby squad, and um and um. Uh, what's his first name? Eusta. Uh, um, Nick Eusta. Yeah, Eusta. Yeah. Um, you know, great to see him. Him having, you know, um, having having some good performances as well. Because I mean, obviously, a guy that we've been speaking about for a little bit is the next big thing. Um, yep. And uh, ho- hopefully, we can see him start to get some consistency on the field. So look, yeah, you know, the, the Kevin Foot, obviously, the, uh, the spirit coach, working with uh, Dave Vessels. Um, hi, hi to Dave. Obviously, um, listening to the podcast, but the, um, uh, you know, I, I think they're really again uh, in, in what is 
the lessons that we've learned from the NRC so far, um, and um, we might be preempting our next question, but um, the the finals are a very open affair. And having the Perth Spirit, the defending champions, a team with a lot of class in their lineup, uh, coming in and, and snagging that fourth spot, I think there would have been a few teams a little bit uh, a little bit unhappy at that result because I think um, there, there would be a um, there'd be a formidable opponent uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think Brett and I sort of had a bit of a Twitter exchange like that. I think actually, with all due respect, and we will talk about finals, but taking on a Fiji and Drua team who are having to travel back from Fiji mm. um, without their test players. Um, might be a better option than having to take on a sort of a inspired resurgent Perth team, albeit you know the Vikings get the the, the home final if they win that. But um, it's a it's a tough gig this weekend, which we'll talk about soon. Brett, what about um, any players stand out? You know, and is, there's probably a few categories here. You've got the yeah. you know the ones we probably know about. The, yeah, the genuine. Even I'd be interested in who you think your player of the tournament. I'm sure you've got an article coming out, but who who was your standout <laughs> player? Um, uh, your standout player, but who maybe also who caught the eye? Someone you, you weren't quite as familiar with that um, that surprised you? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Look, I th- I think. I think the player of the tournament is going to be a, a toss of the coin between Duncan Payawa and and Matt Phillip. They were the the two guys who I think featured in every rugby.com.au team of the week discussion. Um, right. So yep. I, I'm, I, I I think it'll be it'll be those those two as the as the standouts. Um, and in terms of a uh, of, of someone I wasn't quite expecting, um, I'll Hamish Stewart. Has been really good in the last couple of weeks, but but Jack McGregor from week one for the yeah, rising, you know, yeah. you know, in a in a in a pretty in a in a rising side that was that was getting beaten, you know, fairly heavily at times. Um, he was he was great, and and the the combination that he and Jack Maddox and Sione Tuipilotu to have of is is just magnificent. And and then, then I in speaking to Jack McGregor, Jack McGregor. He just sort of confirms my suspicions. The three of them live around the corner from each other, so uh, they basically they live in each okay. other's pocket. Yeah, and 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 that just comes out on the field. That they've been they've been so so good um, this, this year. And and here's my shameless name dropping, Reg. I, I was talking to Steve Cummins today for a semi final preview piece coming out tomorrow, and yeah. and he just said, he just said it. It was he, he couldn't believe at times he'd look around the dressing room this year and. It'd be eighty percent of the of, of the under twenty side that he was watching, you know, with the yeah, Rebel right. squad back in yep. March, and yeah. you know, it, it, he said it's just it's so um, it's it's so uplifting to see all these young young kids take the next step and not just you know do okay, but but you know really really stand out. So so yeah, I'll definitely throw um, throw Jack McGregor up there. Uh, it's super talent. I think those three are so exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. Jack McGregor, does he not look like he should be wearing an Essendon jersey from the 1980s or something? There's something about him. That just, he's got a, I don't know, a bit of a Simon O'Donnell in him or something like that. But he, he's got the bird, you know, the, the, you know, the slightest yeah. of a, a mullet thing there. That, but he's, if uh, he yeah, was, he's a wonderful guy. If he was um if he was if he was six foot two and one hundred and ten kilos, yeah, if he wasn't yeah. wearing French French caps, you'd be disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right. Um, look, from my perspective, and I think you're probably right in those um, those players of the tournament. I think um, uh, Jed Holloway also probably uh, caught a bit, but yeah. he you know, didn't play very much. But when he played, he was it's probably one of those. Yeah, and I, with. With all due respect to the Rams, he's probably one of those standout players in a in a poorer team sort of thing for the Rams. Yeah. Look, the player for me that caught my eye that I, I didn't know much about 
and, and it's more my naivety of Sydney rugby because I don't watch a shoot shield, was Taylor Adams. I, I yeah, thought yeah, he was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And he put in some actually just brilliant performances for the Eagles this year um, from fly half. And I know he won the, I think, what the Ken Catchball, Ken yeah, he did. Catchball medal down there, um, which sort of, I guess, sort of should have tweaked my awareness of him. But uh, yeah, every time I watched him, he was superb. And, you know, the, the way he brought that Eagles team back into that win against the Vikings. I know it was somewhat controversial, but that was a, that was a fantastic performance. So I know he's got a Kiwi background, and as far as I can tell, he might have another, you know, a little bit of time to, to go till eligibility uh, sort of meets all the here, He's been here a little while. He, he played yeah. uh, He played off the bench for the Rams last year, uh, for, for, for the Eagles, sorry, last year. He was sort of behind um, uh, Andrew Deegan last year, yeah. but... I, I think he, he has the Rams and two fifteen, so I think it might be almost three years. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I, I think he's been. He, he definitely plays for uh, for West Harbour, so yeah, there probably is a Rams linkage there. You're right. Yeah. He's, he's. I think he's probably been around a little bit longer than than um than, than we than we think. But yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. He's, he's been. I I I was I was a little bit worried about the Eagles this year, knowing yeah. not not that Andrew Deegan was a you know was a superstar, but but just having that continuity with you know. Gordon to Deegan to yep. Kyle Goblin at twelve. I thought I thought losing losing Deegan was going to be a little bit of a, an issue for them, but Taylor Adams for the first from the first game just came out and unleashed that you know huge seventeen year old Brad Fittler yep. sidestep and and yep. he, he he was he was just incredible. He he's, he he plays really flat to the line and that does mean that he gets picked off. I think he's had maybe five or six intercept passes thrown this yeah, year, right, so okay, yep. he's, he's he's chalked up a few try assists for the opposition side, but um, yeah, look, he's he, he's been really good. You mentioned Jed Holloway. He, I thought Hugh Roach had a really good season for the Rams. Yes, he um, did, absolutely. Da- Damien Fitzpatrick for the Rays was was, yep. was absolutely fantastic. Um, Dave McDooling, even for the Rays, yeah. Was, yeah, had, had, a, had a really, really solid season. Yeah. Hey, yeah. can I say, um, and, and you should free be free and we'll get off this because this is, you know, yeah, when you start <laughs> mentioning, but I thought this was the year of the wingers for the NRC. Yeah, I thought the yeah. wings, like Ed Fidel and Filippo Dagunu were spectacular. Yeah. Country in Brisbane up here, but then Naravoro, whenever he played, was was fantastic. The two um, wingers um, at, uh, for the Rising were sen- yeah. sensational. Young Samisi Tupo just looks incredible. Um, uh, and then um, the the game was it by is it Clay Ewan up against yeah Ewan, yeah Naravoro yeah, yeah. Tang- That was a great contest. Yeah, and but but along the way, Alex Gibbon was fantastic. So I just. Yeah. It was yeah. It, the, the tournament should encourage that wing play, but I thought they were all standard. So but just, Fido just and very Dugu quickly on that yeah. on that topic, uh, Reg. Just of, of just because I've got this sort of info in front of me of the top fifteen try scorers, you've got Dalgunu, Fido, Fido, Maddox, Banks, uh, Latuni Pulu, Alex Gibbon, uh, John Grant from the from the Rams, oh, yes, uh, yeah. Verdi Am, uh, yep. Apoletti Devetta from Fiji and Chris yep. Kurudrani. So, yeah, right. yeah. All, so what's wingers, that? Ten or eleven yeah. back three players yeah. of the, in the top fifteen try scorers. God, and you mentioned a couple there. Latuna Pulu was was, yeah. was a gain immense time he played for the Rays, and and of course the Fijians Devita was uh, a constant star for them. So yeah, yeah. awesome stuff. Great NRC season, and it culminates this weekend, lads. So 
uh, the final footy this weekend. So on Saturday evening uh, down there at Viking Park, the Canberra Vikings take on the Perth Spirit. And then Sunday afternoon up in Toowoomba at Clive Berghofer, 2pm uh, local time, uh, Queensland Country uh, hosting Fiji Drua. So uh, tips, uh, Hugh Cavill, what's your feeling on these two games, mate? What do you what do you think? Do you think it'll be just the, the, the I guess, the high-placed teams or is there a chance for an upset? Oh, look, there's a big chance of an upset, Reg. As I said before, the, the thing that the uh, previous NRCs have, have taught us is, is expect the unexpected. We've had, obviously, <laughs> the, you know, teams coming from third and fourth to win it, um, and, and that's that's not in, unprecedented at all. Um, look, the Canberra Vikings, to me, uh, uh, you know, have, have got a, a class edge. Um, if, if, if you'd ask me about it, I think. I mean, it's it's tough to predict, but I've got to say, I think... They are probably the team, as much as I say, expect the upsets. They're the ones that are in, you know, in first place. But I think they've just got enough experience and enough talent in that side um, to to really get through um, the the final series. And I think, you know, I expect them to come out on top. But to be honest, I've I've gotten, um, you know, they could get rolled by Perth um, this week. So, you know. uh, they'll be the ones I'm putting my money on, but again, I, I'm, I could easily see all four teams lofting the trophy, even though I think the Drew are probably the, the biggest long shots. Yeah, it's interesting, Brad. There has been some legitimate upsets. I mean, from my perspective, yeah. maybe I'm just a bad tipper, but these last few rounds, there have been legitimate upsets, and, and that oh. is probably my only, I would say, Vikings, yeah, Queensland country, yeah, but that is my only caution around these games is, as we've seen the last few weeks, it is no certainty. No, no way. I mean, the, the Rays beat Perth in Perth last week. So yeah, exactly. uh, and and then and then followed it up. Talk about hell of a road trip. Then yeah. then went to Fiji and won over there. So uh, yeah, it's it's the last two weeks particularly. Um, that's why I had such a headache last weekend working out the finals equation. Yeah, because that was just nuts. So look for for what for what it's worth. I think this it's really funny. This is all the signs, all the logic, all the. Even the record this year for the Canberra Queensland Country final, yep. but I wouldn't at all be surprised if it's Queensland Country Perth. I, I just yeah, think right. Perth are in that groove, and I remember, I remember, I remember distinctly Heath, Heath Tessman this time last year said to me, "No, we're not worried about the travel. It's part of our routine now. We, we yep. play Sunday on the seaboard. We fly back on the red eye. We have a day off on Monday. We train Tuesday, Wednesday. We get ready to go again on Thursday. We fly over the east coast. Yeah, we win. Right. We yep. do it again." It's just they're just so used to doing it now, and the and again it's it's a credit to Kevin Foot and the, and the guys over there because they've just they've pulled the club side the club guys up and they've just said this is what we're going to have to do, guys. Just get used to it, and they're in their happy place. Perth, I, I I think Canberra should win probably probably comfortably at at home on Saturday night. But if there's one team that I'd be scared of playing in the semifinals, it's it's Perth. And um, I think that's going to be a really, really good game on Saturday night. Yeah, it will be, absolutely. And, and deserves to be, given the season. Uh, look, the Vikings have played as close to Super Rugby as I've seen this season. But uh, like we say, anything can happen this weekend. Um all right, lads, we're going to wrap it up, although there is some late-breaking news, lads. I don't know if you've caught up with this. It looks like uh, South Africa have been awarded the 2023 Rugby World Cup. So um, oh, the uh, Rugby World Cup Limited have at least recommended that to the World Rugby Council, and the World Rugby Council will now meet on the 15th of November 
uh, in London to consider the recommendations and vote in the next host. But uh, it seems like South Africa are the leading candidate there. So have, the, have, the, have, the council, have the council ever not followed that recommendation? Mate, that's detail that I just don't have at this time. Sorry. <laughs> Questions of that notice. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, oh. And, you know, breaking news, breaking news at a podcast that's recorded one night and published the next day isn't really breaking news <laughs> anymore, but um, that's all right. Um, look, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thanks very much to our listeners for listening again. And uh, a reminder that we will be podcasting uh, throughout the end of the season trip, so the, for the next few weeks or so. Um, but uh, so stick with us and, and, and join in. Make sure you rate us and, and review us on, on iTunes and give us any feedback via you know, comments in the blog or through uh, Twitter or Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Brett McKay, thanks so much for joining us again, mate. Uh, we look forward to watching the NRC this weekend. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks, guys. Always uh, always good fun. And, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're in Canberra or Toowoomba, I cannot recommend getting to the semifinals um, enough. They'll be, they'll be crackers this weekend. Absolutely. And, and Mr. Cavill, mate, thanks again for joining us and uh, we'll catch you next week, hopefully, hey? Yeah, we will. We've got a Wallabies test as well, Reg, can you believe? Um, what, yeah. I don't know what, yeah, there what is, time. There is that. What yeah, time so I think, uh, four, I think it's 4.40 Eastern time. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's that's pretty convenient. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Saturday afternoon, good, so yeah. yeah. Good, good lead into the semifinals. Good, good TV lead yeah. in. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> perfect. All right, lads, thanks very much for joining us. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer.